Hello, and welcome to the River of Life podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. I want to remind you, you saw this on the uh, screen a few moments ago, but on December 6th, I think that's just three weeks from now, uh, we will have our anniversary celebration here. And I think it's 12 years. Am I correct? This is our 12th anniversary here. It's hard to believe we've been here in the Dome 12 years, but praise the Lord for that. Hey, one of the things we're going to do is we're going to have dinner in the Dome. Do you remember growing up dinner on the grounds? You remember everybody uh, brought their their lunch and we put it all together and we just have a great big feast. Well, that's something we do here. We'll clear about half this dome out, put tables up, and and you will bring your food. And uh, and this is not this is not finger food we're talking about. We're talking about like your best ever seven course Sunday meal. You cook it, you get it ready, you bring it, and we celebrate and we feast. And so I just want to get you ready for that, and so uh, the cooking part especially. Hey, uh, Phil, if you'll pick that mic up right there. Phil's going to share something with us. Morning. First of all, thank you for the prayers. Many of you know I've been having some issues with my eye, but uh, rather than to go in the depth of that, I was thinking this morning the Word says confess your faults one to another, so I wanted to uh, confess a fault. We were pulling into the parking lot this morning, and my wife asked me, How's your eye doing? And I said, well, still a little fuzzy and stuff, but it's really kind of like the first day when I started noticing it and the day after the surgery. And about this time, I'm pulling in, making my turn. We park on the road when you first come in out there. And uh, so I'm making my turn, and as I do, (laughs) y'all know what that sound is? Yeah, apparently my vision in this eye isn't quite as well as I was thinking it was, and I thought I had a little more distance. Now, we thought also that the vehicle belonged to Michelle and Billy Rathel, who we know real well, and uh, they would be fine with the uh, scratch on their vehicle. Uh, However, it was not their vehicle. The good news is it wiped right off, but if you are driving a white SUV, Ford Ranger type thing, Uh, And I see them out there now, so maybe it is theirs. (laughs) Take a look and see if that's your vehicle and uh, see if uh, I did any damage to it. So I apologize, and uh, I'm not going to be making close-quarter right-hand turns until my eye clears up a little more. So thank you. I really don't even know how to follow that, brother. That's what I call falling on your own sword right there. Just, just confess it. And so, uh, wow. <laughs> and praise the Lord. And we are thankful that God is, uh, uh, has his hand upon you with your, your eye situation. And we highly recommend that you not drive anymore <laughs> until that matter is completely cleared up. Um, please open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 5, verses 6 through 13. As we continue our study, and we're almost through the book of 1 John, uh, we've been in a series called uh, The Last Apostle, 
and a very interesting message today. That's First uh, John chapter 5. We'll begin reading in verse 13. And I'll read that text in a few moments, but if you'll just turn and hold your place there, I would appreciate it. I want to start the message today by talking to you about witnessing and testifying, but not what you think. I'm not talking about you witnessing and you testifying. This message is all about God witnessing and God testifying, and it's all about the testimony of God that leads us to the place in our lives where we can have absolute assurance that we have eternal life, that He lives within us, and that we know we're going to heaven. The title of the message today is God's Testimony, My Assurance. God's Testimony, My Assurance. Now, if you study the New Testament carefully and you pay attention, you'll find out that God testifies, that God witnesses, that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all very much involved in witnessing and testifying. For instance, uh, when Jesus was getting ready to leave and go back to heaven, he told his disciples, it is good for you, it is expedient for you that I go away, because if I go away, I'll send another, I'll send the Comforter, I'll send the Holy Spirit. And do you remember what Jesus said he would do? He will testify of me. He will witness to the world concerning me. When the Holy Spirit comes, he comes witnessing and testifying that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, the only way of salvation. And I've got news for you. After you're saved, the Holy Spirit doesn't stop witnessing. Because the Bible tells us in another passage of Scripture, this is what it says. It says, For the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirits that we are the children of God. So one of the ways that we know that we're in the family of faith is because of the Spirit which witnessed to us in the beginning about Christ is still witnessing in our hearts and testifying within us and bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. By the way, Jesus was all about witnessing and testifying. On one occasion, Jesus said, For this purpose I came into the world, that I might bear witness to the truth. That's why Jesus came to bear witness to the truth. Everything Jesus said, everything Jesus did, was a witness and a testimony to the fact that God is God and that this was His plan and He was the Son of God. His whole life was a testimonial. His whole life pointed to God, pointed to truth, and pointed to the way of salvation. The Holy Spirit was witnessing. Jesus was witnessing. By the way, did you know that the Bible tells us in numerous places that God is in the business of witnessing and testifying. One of my favorite is found in Hebrews, the second chapter. It says, God bearing witness with them with signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that God loves to witness? And when He does, He witnesses with signs, with wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, 
I, I want to tell you, when God takes the witness stand, something good is about to happen. And it is absolutely awesome when God does that. Now, I know that you and I are ambassadors for Christ, and I know that we should share our faith, and I know that we should witness and we should testify. But the fact is that just because we have that responsibility doesn't mean that God Himself cannot witness as He chooses, when He chooses, and where He chooses. God is in the witnessing business. Now, as I begin to read our text, I want you to pay attention to the words witness and testimony, and we'll connect that with God's witness, God's testimony, and how it affects our assurance of salvation. I'll begin reading again. 1 John 5, we'll begin reading in verse 6. This is He who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. Now let me stop there. Thank God for the witness of men. Thank God that you and I can witness and bear witness and testify. But friends, I want to tell you, when God steps up. And when God gives the witness, when God gives the testimony, that's greater. For this is the witness of God, which He has testified of His Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in Himself. He who does not believe God has made Him a liar, because He has not believed the testimony that God has given us His Son. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Now, there's at least one word in the text that I shared with you today that's extremely controversial And the theologians have debated this one word for centuries, and very few of the theologians agree on what that one word means. What I'll do is we, I will show you that one word, we'll, we'll look at it just briefly, and then we'll move on to this thing about God witnessing and that bringing us to the point of assurance. Verse 7 says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. These three are one. Now, there is at least... Now, this is not the controversial verse, but it helps us to see it. There's three in heaven that bear witness. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. We know who the Father is. That's God the Father. We know who the Spirit is. That's the Holy Spirit. But who is the Word? Capital W. Now, if you are familiar with the writings of John, you know who he's talking about. John quite often refers to Jesus as the Word. If you go back to the Gospel of John and you begin in chapter 1 and you begin to read, he'll say, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God and all things were made by Him and without Him was not anything made that was made. And then he goes on a few more verses and he says, and the Word became flesh and we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace 
and full of truth. When John uses the word word, he's talking about Jesus Christ. And, and so when he says there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, he's talking about Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Now very quickly, and I've preached entire messages on this before, why would John call him the Word? Very simply, friends, Jesus was everything God wanted to say to us. He was the crystallization, the personification of every word that God wanted to say to us. And so John calls him the Word. So we know that there are three in heaven that bear witness, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And by the way, John says they're witnessing from heaven. I believe God is still witnessing from heaven to this very day. Now, let's look at verse 8. Verse 8 says, There are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. Now, almost all the theologians agree that this is talking about the earthly witness and ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. Almost all agree that the Spirit is talking about the Holy Spirit that rested on Him during His earthly ministry. And when it comes to the blood, they almost all agree that it's talking about the atoning, soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb that was shed for us on Calvary's cross, what is called the blood of the everlasting covenant. There are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit and the blood, but between those two He puts the water. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. And that's the controversial word. What does the word Water mean? How could water witness to us? How could water testify to us? How could water be bearing witness of the divine message of God? And man, we've just seen all kinds, and I've read all kinds of, uh, of, of opinions on this, and it is significant. You can't deny the significance of it because look back up in verse 6. It says, this is he who came by water and blood. Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. So John is really emphasizing and highlighting the word water here. Now, what does it mean? Probably a half a dozen different interpretations. I'll give you three. You can pick the one you like the best. Some say it means physical birth. He was born of water just like the rest of us. He was a real human being born of a woman just like the rest of us. Now, and the reason he would say that is because some people wanted to say that Jesus was not a real flesh and blood person like us. So some interpret the water there as to a reference to his physical birth. Others say it is a reference to his baptism. He set the example for all of us in a public testimony of baptism. The purification rite of going down into the water and having your sins washed away and coming up out of the water. Now, there's no place in the Bible that teaches that water alone will purify you or cleanse you, but it is symbolic of a deeper spiritual, more wonderful cleansing that comes when God touches your heart. And some say this is baptism. We have the witness of His baptism. And then there are others who say that this does not mean His physical birth or His baptism, but His death on the cross. When he died on the cross and his side was pierced, the Bible tells us that blood and water came out. 
Again, signifying that he was a real person who suffered and died a real traumatic death for us. Now, before you make up your mind which one you believe, I do want to tell you this. The humanity, the fleshy part of Jesus, was very important to this last apostle, John. 1 John 4, 3 says, And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. John wanted us to understand that Jesus was a real flesh and blood human being just like the rest of us. He was not half man and half God. He was fully man and he was fully God and he suffered as a man just like anyone else would suffer. He lived as a man. Now, which one is it? Which one do you think? When it says there are three in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit that bear witness in their three on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. What does the water refer to? Is it His physical birth? Is it His physical baptism? Is it His physical death on the cross? Which, which one does it refer, which one is it talking about? I want to be absolutely honest with you, I'm not sure. But here's what I am sure of. I am sure that He was born a physical birth, just like the rest of us. <laughs> he was born of a woman physically, just like the rest of us. He was baptized physically by a man. And he was physically crucified on a cross by sinners. I, I'm not sure. Somebody said maybe all three. Maybe all three. All I can tell you is this, that there is a spiritual witness. According to the Bible, in heaven and there's one on earth and that spiritual witness comes to us through the testimony of the Spirit, through the testimony of the water, which refers somehow to that part of Him that was physical and there is a spiritual witness of the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross. But as I read many commentaries, as I did my research on this, I became aware of the fact that almost everybody got so bogged down in the theology of it that they missed the real question of the text. And here's the real question of the text. Are you hearing and seeing and experiencing the testimony of God? And are you believing that testimony? That's the question. L look back in verse 10. Verse 10 says this. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. So friends, the real question is, have you and I believed the testimony that God has given of his Son, the testimony of God? Are we really believing God's testimony? Now that sent me in another direction. Because I started looking for all the ways that God testifies. And I want to just finish this message out by giving you some illustrations. I believe God testifies, it's just unlimited, hundreds of ways, how God testifies. I'll give you three. 
We'll look at the visual testimony that God gives us, the written testimony, and the personal testimony. First of all, the visual testimony. Romans 1.20 says, For since the creation of the world, God's visible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Did you know the Bible tells us that creation itself, that nature itself, testifies to the Creator? It testifies of a Creator, God, who made it all. The Bible tells us repeatedly throughout the Scriptures that God's creation, nature, is a witness that He is God. Even to the point that we are without excuse. I love the book of Psalms. Where it says in the book of Psalms, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows forth his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech and night unto night reveals knowledge. Oh, friends, the testimony of God is visible according to scriptures. All you've got to do is open your eyes and look around you. It is impossible to live and breathe in this world without seeing the testimony of God everywhere. Nature itself testifies so loudly that according to Scripture, no person who lives on this planet will be able to stand before God with an excuse and say, I did not know. And friends, I wish I could set up camp right here and stay for the rest of this sermon, but I can't, but I just got to make some quick statements. You and I are not biological accidents. You and I are not freaks of nature. You and I are not little piles of cosmic dust that somehow figured out how to live, walk, talk, think, and breathe. We are not. We did not crawl out of a primordial slime pit millions of years ago and evolve to where we are right now. You do not have monkey ancestors. I heard somebody say one time, if you think you have monkey ancestors, then you can have monkey morals. But if you don't think you have monkey ancestors, you shouldn't have monkey morals. Oh, friends, we are not little insignificant particles of a great big universe that dwarfs us. We are not. We are made in the likeness and in the image of a holy God. And He created this vast and beautiful and wonderful universe as a witness and a testimony to us that He is God. And it is so beautiful, so glorious, so magnificent that one day every man who's ever lived on this planet will stand before God and God will say, you are without excuse. There was enough of me in nature. To send you on a search to find me and you would have found me. You see, friends, we can believe. We can believe the testimony of God. Or we can believe the foolishness of man who thinks he's smarter than God. We can believe whatever we want to believe. But one day every one of us will stand before a holy God without excuse just because of the visible testimony of our God. So, it's visible. The testimony of God is also written. The Bible, the Word of God, is the written testimony of God. It's proof that leaves us without excuse. If you please, the Bible is God's sworn statement of truth. 
And, and all you've got to do is just read the Bible. And by the way, all those things in the Bible that, that may cause questions to us, Jesus, the Son of God, His blood cleansing us, the way to heaven, heaven and hell, could these things really be real and true? Do you know one of the ways you can know the Bible is true? is by studying and researching the Bible and finding out that the Bible has known for thousands of years things that scientists are just figuring out today. But By the way, this may seem like a small thing. Did you know that the Bible about 4,000 years ago had strict instructions about washing your hands? Wash your hands. I, I mean, over and over, there, there are hundreds of of places in the Bible, and that's no exaggeration, where it talks about washing your hands, washing your garments, washing utensils, cleanliness. Thousands of years before man had any concept of germs. God was saying, wash your hands. Do you know? Look it up for yourself. Do you know the part of your body that carries the most germs? Your hands, your hands carry more germs than any other part of your body. So be sure and shake hands with everybody before you leave here today. I mean, let's, let's make sure we mix them up good. Or, or maybe you could do this. Maybe you could do this. This is subtle. Now, everybody here today will know what you're doing, but people who aren't here today won't know this. When somebody walks up to you and does this, you look at them and you smile and say, No, man, I'd rather have some love. Come on. Come on. A hug is a lot more sanitary than shaking hands. But, but my point is this. And that is thousands of years before anybody had any concept of a germ. God was teaching His children to wash and to be clean and to be purified. And it wasn't just spiritual. And by the way, it doesn't stop there. Did you know that in Leviticus, we're backing up about 3,000 years ago, God said, don't eat the fat of animals? Anybody told you that lately? We've just found out right lately, and I'm talking about over the last 50 to 60 years, we've just found out that if you eat a lot of animal fat... Okay, I won't go there. <laughs> and not only that, but you'll have your arteries will get all clogged up. And, and, and then how about this? Way back in the Bible, it tells us life is in the blood. And the book of Job, which is believed to be about 4,000 years old, says God hangs the earth on nothing. How could Job have known that? And, and, and then in Isaiah, God, he says God sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. How could, I, how could Isaiah have known the world was round? This was long before Copernicus and Galileo and those guys. How could, how could he have known? I'll tell you, friends, because God knows. Because God writes things that you and I don't understand. And by the way, there are things in the Bible you and I don't understand right now. But there will come a day when it will be discovered and it will validate the Scriptures just like everything else has been validated. 
One of my favorite, you've heard me preach on this in the book of Job. It talks about above and beyond the north, the north pole, the north star, that there's an empty place out in space. For thousands of years, people have talked about this. It's in the scriptures, empty space. Did you know that just recently, Hubble Telescope has revealed to us that above and beyond our North Pole, the North Star, that there is a place, a huge hole in space that dwarfs anything else that's ever been discovered. Listen to this. There is an empty place above the North Star where there's nothing there that is a billion light years across. And what's so profound about that? Well, the whole universe is profound. But what's profound is, is Job talks about it. How could he have known? Oh, and I, we could go on. I, I, I want to challenge you to do this. And it really doesn't matter how you do the search. But get on the internet and just somehow do a search on what the Bible knew before science discovered it. And, and, and there are just hundreds of places in the Scripture. One of the things I love, did you know that the Bible tells us that when Jesus comes, when Jesus returns to earth, when the second coming takes place, it'll take place in the daytime and in the nighttime. Now, how could that be? They didn't know the world was round. They didn't know it was daylight on one side of the world and dark on the other. But when He comes, it's going to be both day and night. That's what the Scripture says. Now, friends, the Bible validates itself. The book you hold in your hand that you call the Bible has been validating itself for centuries. It doesn't get old and, and outdated. It, it, it gets better all the time. Now, I'm not against science. Don't drop out of science and study it. It's wonderful. But remember, science is the study, or it should be the study, of observable data. That's what science should be. And just remember that science is man's study. The Bible is God's truth. And so we have the written testimony of God. And if you can believe all that, I mean, and we know all this is true, the Bible just validates itself. Now, the last one I need to get to very quickly. The visual testimony, the written testimony, and you're going to love this, the personal testimony. Did you know that God is in the business of witnessing personally to us? He witnesses signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit. And this passage of Scripture talks about believing the testimony of God about Jesus and all the testimony that He gives us. They're personal testimonies. How many of you have ever had at least one prayer answered in your life? Hold your hand up. Friends, all right, put your hands down. That was the testimony of God. As a witness of God. God was witnessing to you. He was testifying to you. He was saying, I heard your prayer. And I am God. And I'm able to do something about it. And that validates who I am. And it validates my son. And it validates the Holy Spirit. And it validates the reality of salvation. You see, just having your prayers answered. How many of you have ever seen somebody that you didn't think could possibly get saved? They were meaner than a snake. They acted like the devil. And then one day they got right with God and got saved and they changed their whole life. I have. Yeah. Some of them live in your house, right? No. I've seen it. 
I've seen people I didn't think could possibly change, and yet they changed. And they started serving God. But every time God saves a soul, every time God touches somebody, every time He raises somebody up and takes them out of darkness and into the light, God's testifying. God's witnessing. I, I hope we get to see it uh, uh, again today. And by the way, every time there is a miracle, every time there's a sign, a wonder, a miracle, God's testifying. If I, if I ask you that same question, how many of you have ever experienced just one miracle in your life? You'd raise your hand. That was God testifying. Listen, my wife and I had only been married for a few years and, and we wanted to start a family and we couldn't, it just wasn't working for us. And finally we went to a team of doctors in Tallahassee and they sat us down and they said, we're sorry to tell you this, but you can't have children. You're not going to be able to have children. But there was an old preacher in Sopchoppy, Florida, who said, God woke me up in the night, and God said, you will be able to have children. And we had a choice. Do we believe the doctors or do we believe the man of God? And I want to tell you, my wife and I believe the man of God. And within six weeks of that time, she woke up one morning, she was so sick, she didn't know what was going on. And we thought, well, we can't have children, and now she's dying. She was so sick, and I took her to the doctor, and the doctor came out, and he said, She's pregnant. Amen. Come on. Don't you love it when God testifies? Don't you love it when God witnesses? Oh, my goodness. Hey, uh, one night I, I... I was going to bed, and it was just maybe five, six years ago, and I was real, I was just in one of those moods. Do you ever get in one of those moods? You just, you just need something. And I, I went to bed, and I said, Lord, would you please? I, I mean, I prayed it right out loud. Beth was not in the bedroom with me. I said, Lord, would you please speak to me tonight? I need you to speak to me. I know you speak to some people in dreams. Will you speak to me? And that night I woke up. In my, I thought I woke up, and I was sitting on the side of my bed, and this huge light was behind me, and it was shining down around me. It's almost like a flashlight. I could see the perimeter of the light, and it, it was the most wonderful thing I'd ever felt in my life. I didn't see anybody. I didn't hear anything. I just, this light was behind me, and I just felt bathed and encouraged in this light, and it was like it just invaded me. And, and, and I, I knew it was coming from behind me, but I took my hands. I remember doing this. I took my hands, and... And I, there was no shadow on the floor because I realized I, it was not coming from behind me. It was just, I was engulfed in it. And I, I tell you what, I was so, I was so amazed. And, and I, I almost lost my breath. And then immediately opened my eyes and I woke up the next morning. And I want to tell you, I, the miracle of that dream that night just changed everything. I, I've shared that with a few people <laughs> And every now and then somebody would say, I just don't believe that kind of stuff. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. You can pout, doubt, and do without, but the rest of us believe that God can speak and answer and move in our lives, and He can testify of His greatness. Speaking of dreams... Did you know that there is a growing phenomenon sweeping the Islamic world right now? 
Listen carefully. This, this will bless your heart. Muslims are saying by the hundreds and thousands that Jesus is appearing to them in their dreams and witnessing to them. And more Muslims are turning to Jesus right now than at any other time in history. Now, let me just stop right here. You need to hear this, friends. If the only news you are hearing is coming from a secular, ungodly news media, then you will never hear stuff like this because they won't report it. You need to have some place where you can go and get Christian-based news that will tell you about these things. Now, one Muslim woman, and, and I listened to her interview. I, I listened to her interview. One Muslim woman who was converted to Christianity said that Jesus appeared to her in a dream and she received Christ as a result of that dream. She prayed and received Christ into her heart and she joined a Christian church in a Muslim country and every member of that church were converted Muslims. And this is what she said. She said, if you ask every member of our church where they heard about Jesus, 80% of them will tell you that Jesus appeared to them in a dream. 80%? Wow. That, that is, that, that is uh, amazing. Carl Sanders, a missionary in South Africa, reported that among African Muslims... 42% of the new believers come to Christ through visions, dreams, angelic appearances, and hearing God's voice. I, I watched one interview of a Muslim man who said he was on his way to Mecca to worship. And he said on his way, he said one night Jesus appeared to him in a dream. And I can't do it justice. You need to hear his testimony. He said Jesus appeared to him in a dream, touched him on his forehead, and said, you belong to me. And, and then he said, and then Jesus touched his heart and he said, I'm going to save you. He said, when I woke up the next morning, he said, I didn't have to think about it for a moment. I knew that I would go after Jesus with all of my heart, that I would abandon the Muslim faith, uh, the Islamic faith, and I would go after Christ and I would live for him for the rest of my life, regardless of the cost. The dream was so powerful. I, I mean, some amazing things are happening. One ISIS uh, warrior who had killed Christians said that one night Jesus appeared to him in a dream and said, you're killing my children. And he said he, he, he said he tried to ignore it and just think it was like a nightmare or something. And he said a few days later, he was given the responsibility of killing another Christian, executing another Christian. And the Christian man he was about to kill had a Bible in his hand. And he looked at him and he said, I know you're going to execute me. I know you're going to kill me. But before you do, I'd like to give you my Bible. And I want to ask you to read my Bible. He gave him the Bible. He executed him on the spot. But he started reading the Bible and he converted to the Lord Jesus Christ and became a Christian. One missionary heard so many of these stories, he has written a book entitled, Dreams and Visions, Is Jesus Awakening the Muslim World? I, I want to share with you my favorite story in this. Uh, a man that was in uh, part of the war-ravaged uh, part of one of the countries in the Middle East, a Muslim man and his family, he said they were, he was fleeing just to try to save his family. They went north, they found a refugee camp, 
And this is what he said. He said the first thing he noticed is there was not one Muslim ministry, one Islamic ministry there to help. He said, but Christian ministries were everywhere, feeding them, clothing them, helping them. And he said for the first time in his life, he, he was thinking, well, I've been told my whole life that Christians are evil, that they're of Satan, that they need to be killed, they need to be murdered. And he said, where, where are my Muslim brothers and sisters? Why aren't they here to help? Why are the only people helping us Christians? And he said that night, he went to sleep. And this is what he said. He said, in a dream, he had a cross around his neck, a wooden cross. And he said he kept looking at that cross in his dream, and he was thinking, why am I wearing this cross? What is this all about? And, and he said he kept looking at it. No words were spoken. He didn't see anybody. He woke up the next morning, but he didn't say anything. And so his wife said to him, I, have a, I had a weird dream last night. just doesn't make sense. And he said, what was your dream? He hadn't even told, him, told her about his. What was your dream? And she said, a man in glowing, glorious clothing. She didn't even know it was Jesus. A man in glowing, glorious clothing appeared to me and asked me a question. He said, what did he ask you? And she said, he asked me, why was my husband wearing a cross? And she looked at him and she said, you've never worn a cross, have you? He said, I did last night in my dreams. So the two of them went to a Christian missionary and they said, we're confused. What does the cross mean? And the missionary said to him, there was a man who came from God. He was the Son of God, the Lamb of God. He went to the cross. He shed His blood so that men everywhere could be forgiven and redeemed. And through His blood that He shed on that cross, you can be saved and redeemed today. And he and his wife prayed the sinner's prayer and trusted Jesus. And their whole family came to the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Did, did you know that one of the things they're saying that's happening in Muslim countries right now, because you can't have Bibles and, and, and you, uh, you, know, you can't witness and they're persecuting, is what Muslim, Christian Muslims are doing is they're saying to their loved ones, very quietly, if you'll ask Him, He will appear to you. If you'll just ask Him, He will appear to you. Now, friends, I know what some of you may be thinking right now. You may be thinking, boy, I would cert- I'd love for something like that to happen to me. I'd love for Jesus to appear to me in a dream. Friends, can I tell you, every one of us here today should thank God that He does not have to appear to us in a dream to reveal the truth. That we live in a country where there are Bibles everywhere and preaching everywhere. And the witness of God is free in this nation. And you can find it everywhere. Thank God that you don't need an experience like that. I want to close with this. According to the Bible, God will testify to you and me if we'll only ask Him. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus said, If you will seek, you'll find. If you will ask, it'll be given. If you knock, it'll be opened unto you. And then Jesus said, What father among you, if his child asks for bread, will you give him a stone? If he asks for fish, will you give him a serpent? If he asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? What father among you would do that? And then Jesus said, If you being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more will your heavenly Father 
give you the Holy Spirit if you ask Him. Do you understand that if, if you want a witness from God, a personal witness, we've got the, vis, the visible witness, we have the written witness, and by the way, that should be enough, but I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, God, I want, I want as much of the personal witness of God. Lord, speak to my heart. Just ask God to minister to you. And friends, here's what I want to say to you. And you might think I've not done justice with this last verse, but I believe I have. And that is that if the assurance of your salvation depends upon you, your ability to walk, talk, discipline yourself, do this or do that, you'll never have assurance. But the day he captures your heart and your vision and the day you start hearing and seeing and believing the testimony of God, the visible testimony, the written testimony, the personal testimony, and your eyes are upon him. The day you believe with all of your heart, his testimony will be the day that you can have absolute assurance that you are a child of God. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Would you bow with me in prayer? Thank you again for listening to River of Life Podcast. If this message has touched you today, or if you need somebody to pray with you, please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email at info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for more information and directions.